Hello, and welcome to the TypeScript Podcast. We're recording live, technically, from sunny Omaha, Nebraska at NEJSConf 2018. The Nebraska JavaScript Conference always has a great speaker lineup, and this year is no different. Over the next four to five episodes, we'll be talking to several conference participants, including keynote speakers Clarissa Peterson, a UX expert, and Lori Voss of NPM, not to mention two of the conference organizers and even a couple of attendees. In our first podcast, we'll be talking to Ben Alegbadu, Principal Frontend Engineer at Eventbrite, and Michael Chan, Frontend Architect of Planning Center, and host of React Podcast. Ben's talk took us on a nostalgic walkthrough of his web development experience during the late 90s, from the programs typed out by hand on his TI-83 calculator to the GeoCities page where he taught the basic programming language. Ben reminds us to appreciate how good we have it now. We talk about Neil's tripod site, rounded corners, memory leaks and frames, and how we should go and try to find our own accidental time capsules. In Michael's talk, he shared many of the clean code dogmas he's experienced over his 10 years of development. We discussed the desire to feel right and have control over our code versus creating code that is easy to work with. Michael asks us to consider what type of performance we're really optimizing for, and if we won't write code that is 100% correct from the very start, should we reconsider what's important? You got it. All right, uh, this is the talk script podcast. You got it right that time. I did. I didn't say TypeScript. You didn't intru- we didn't did introduce that. ourselves last time, Yeah, though, but either. I don't think we need to, because it's going to be like... But if it's days apart, someone might forget who well, is... Okay, all right, that's fine. Who's I'm, in Nebraska I'm Jazz. I'm Brian, and... I'm Neil. Right, I'm just we, happy to be here. And we are here with... Ben Alegbadu. All right, Ben Alegbadu. Yes, Alegbadu. All and right. And he has been making us feel nostalgic things. Yeah, the title of your talk was... Program like it's 1999. Let's web dev Let's like web it's dev. 1999. Uh, yeah. And I, I showed Ben my uh, tripod homepage that I made when I was in high school. And yeah. I tried to find mine, and it's, I don't know where yeah. it's Mine's still up. It's yeah, not I'm, even a cache. I mentioned in my talk that back then, the sites you used to host your, your websites were GeoCities and AngelFire, and I completely forgot about tripod. And it's like, that That's was a right. trifecta. That's all right. But I'm impressed that your tripod's still up. My <laughs> so GeoCities was not up. I had to use the Wayback Machine well, that's to find it. that's because Yahoo bought GeoCities. Yeah, and they, and then they it. shut but it But why down. is tripod yeah. still up? I don't know. Who's, who's still paying that bill? <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> I think Lycos, isn't it? I don't know. That's <laughs> so great. Um, it's terribly embarrassing, so don't Google my tripod. It's Ann Roberts' uh, tripod. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. M. Roberts, that tripod.com. Impressive. People are going to find stuff in there and then be like, why, why did you write this? And no, there's, good, there's good stories for why all the garbage that's there is there. I know, right? At least you didn't, I didn't see any jumping flame gifs. No. no. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed by it, like, except for someone seeing it out of context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scrolling marquees? Yeah? No? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, it so. wouldn't show up anymore. I never, I got, I never got super into scrolling stuff okay. and blinking stuff. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Hit counters, I, I best viewed the, in. Oh, totally hit counters. Yeah. Oh, I really love like image yeah. buttons. Like that's really I oh, went yeah. super hard into yeah. image buttons. Yeah, yeah. There's a program called Zara that let you create 3D text. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was really Yeah, super good. All right. Yeah. It was a stroll down memory lane. That's I wanted it to be either stroll down memory lane or, you know, looking through like a history book of how we <laughs> Yeah, how totally. We did no, it was, it was good. So, how did you get your start? So, like I said in the talk, uh, I actually got started programming my TI-83 calculator. So, I had learned BASIC in this uh, summer program before my ninth grade. They taught BASIC, and I learned other things like math and science and such. And I applied that BASIC knowledge into the calculator. Just loved, just loved it. Just loved it. What program did you write on your calculator? I made all kinds of things, probably like 50 different things. So, the only game I can remember that I built was bowling. But I know I built a whole bunch of games and then I um, would publish them online, would make math programs to uh, check my homework and check my answers on my tests. I promise I tried to solve it first before checking my answers on, on the tests. <laughs> it I promise. Cheating. It wasn't cheating. I, I, it, oh. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. So, yeah, I made a whole bunch of things. You told, you told a story about how you would get your programs into your cache. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, Originally, I didn't have the cable to connect my computer to my calculator, so I would have to um, type it in by hand myself, but I would write it first on my computer, 
printed out on sheets of paper. And then while I was riding to school in the back of my mom's car, I would just transcribe or transcopy from paper in there. Luckily, it wasn't T9. It had all the different characters, mm. but it's not a keyboard. So yeah. I'm like hunting for I and hunting for F to oh, write an if statement. Like shift up to the alphabet. Key yeah, 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 all those kind yeah, of things. I, I so. got started on a TI-85. Yeah. Um, had to buy the cable separately. Yeah, that cable was like expensive. It was like it was. $50 yeah, or something it crazy. It was a serial cable. <laughs> yep. And yep. the computer that I had, it was a 386. Yep. And it didn't have enough resources on it. It didn't have enough IRT resources. Co-processor. Right? <laughs> so I would go online yeah. and I would download programs and yep. then I'd have to shut off the, the modem yeah. and then I could use the cable. Wow. Wow. Because there weren't enough IRT yeah. resources. Yep. It was it was really funny. So then when we upgraded it was like This is great. It's like, I can try these things out and not have to, you know, spend five minutes reconnecting. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I posted a lot of my games on our apps on this site called TICalc.org. Lots of people were on there hosting their things and got lots of downloads and such. And then folks wanted to know how to actually build games. So then that's when I started building my first GeoCities website, Basic Guru Online, where I taught other people how they could be a basic guru, nice. apparently. And a, and a flip art. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the logo for it is, is pretty horrendous. <laughs> Design is not my uh, forte. The part CDs, those were great. Yep. I had a lot of clip art CDs. Yep. Microsoft <laughs> clip art. It was like you'd have, that, you'd, have a, you'd have a manual, and then you'd be like, I want a course. Yep. And then it'd be like, this is on CD 16. Yep. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. Those uh, are the days. <laughs> what, what I thought was really neat about your talk was that um, it kind of put in perspective how good we have it these days. Yeah. It's so good. You started out um, talking about frame sets. Yep, frame and sets. Like, I think three people Which in I the have. audience. <laughs> yeah. I think three people in the audience even knew what frame sets were. Yeah. Everybody's like, what's a frame what's set? Because it's it's deprecated now. It's like, oh, you can't okay. even use it. So. Yeah. Wait, can you use it? Or? No, I mean, you can because it's deprecated, not obsolete. Mm -hmm. So browsers still support it. But yeah, like yeah. you, I mean, there's no reason why you would ever use a frame set now. Right. right. <laughs> So uh, I, yeah. I think I have Easter eggs in my <laughs> in my in your, in your tripod camera. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And the source code? I think so. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I have to I have to look at this at some point. Yeah. That's funny. So um, yeah, I mean, starting out with frame sets, and it's just like, all right, this guy speaks my language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know exactly where he's coming from. So after frame sets, and I talked about the spacer GIF. The spacer GIF. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the one that got everybody yeah, nostalgic. Because yeah. yeah. you were like, how would you do this? And somebody's like, tables. Yeah, I was like, no. No. No, no there's no CSS. What do you What do you use? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, because that reminded me of how do you get rounded borders on Yeah, that? yeah. If I had more time, I would have talked about rounded you, borders. You've got, the, you've got the rounded border yeah. GIF. You've got the one pixel wide like spacer that you stretch across the top, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you've got the other, yep. the other side yep. the Yeah, you stretch across the top, and then you would have a background color to make sure it's the exact width exactly. that you wanted. Oh, yeah. Those are the times, man. Uh -huh. Photoshop slicing or whatever yeah, yeah. tool you I use. PaintShop Pro. I just, yep. I just let Tori do all that. Yeah. <laughs> Tori, this is what I needed to look like. Yep. And then he would slice it up and give it to me. Well, no, not, not then. I'm talking yeah. like this was... Maybe 10 years. Because oh. we had all that stuff in, in Dojo's uh, digit style sheets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Spacer Gift lasted for a long time. Spacer Gift. Oh, Spacer yeah. Gift. No break space. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, non-breaking non spaces as well. Let's see, what were... What I should, we should have a game where like I try to guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, where do you think the, so where do you think the next thing he went to? Are we going historically? Yeah, he went, he went through the years, yeah. Uh, Chronologically, I don't know. You don't. You don't know. You're terrible at this game. Yeah. <laughs> I got it right once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One time. I got quick playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next thing I mainly was talking about was just how we used JavaScript because mm. we didn't have Firebug or any kind of debugger, so there was like a ceiling on what we could do in terms of development. Firebug so, was super good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's well, why Web 2.0 existed, in my opinion. 
or enabled it at least. The only way that you could debug, so Microsoft had the script debugger, yep. it was free, yep. but it stunk. Yeah. So the only way that you could um, you could efficiently debug IDE was to, to have Visual Studio. Yep, attached to Visual Studio. Yeah. And I made yep. it out of Pirate a few copies. Yep, I was definitely doing that. Yeah, so if the authorities show up at my house and uh, <laughs> what high school age us did, yeah, was it? yeah exactly, <laughs> sure, right? should be forgiven. Um, Statute of limitations, <laughs> right? Right, um, but that I mean, that was that was it, There's yeah. A, oh, and then Venkel was the Mozilla, mm -hmm. yeah, I forgot about that, yeah, kind of forerunner before Firebug, but that was still all JavaScript, yeah. Like when Firebug came out, and I could actually like look at my CSS and know what was being applied. Like yeah. that was just mind blowing. Change, change it on. Then you could change it on the fly. That yeah, that was. It was a game changer. Yeah, and change the game. It's like, it's like well, you know now you if that's not in a if, if that's not in dev tool. Yeah, you like, don't use that browser. browser, like, browser yeah. Like, what kind of like antiquated? Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I remember printing out code and debugging code on paper. Whoa. Oh yeah, I remember I was at an internship at Yahoo and we would print out bug and that's how we did code reviews. Well, People was, would print out code and then they would like mock up my thing like it was, you, you know, an essay. You so much wider on, like on paper you could see more of your code yep. than you could on your computer screen. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, because yep. of the, <laughs> the other things yeah. were so oh, yeah. your, your website, your website <laughs> said this, this, uh, Man, what, what does it say? It says this. Uh, best used in AOL browser. Yeah. <laughs> 800 by 600. 800 by 600. Make sure you maximize your screen to make it to 800 by 600. <laughs> okay. If you're using uh, this in, in what, Netscape or? Internet Explorer. It, it may work. It may work. It may work. That's hilarious. <laughs> you, didn't even get, you didn't really even touch on, on the browser wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you sort of touched on, on like attach event versus that event listener. Mm -hmm. uh, the browser wars global, came a little bit global later. Global events versus events tied to callbacks. Oh, oh yeah, so I did that, talk about that. Yeah. About global, having a, I had a, a global function and putting it in the body on load as a function call and an attributes. Yeah, with an alert. Welcome to my page. In Internet Explorer, <laughs> they used to put the event object as a global oh area. yeah yeah that was so weird so yeah. then oh, you yeah, have, yeah. then you'd, you get an event but then in order to process the event you'd have to pull the event off of the global variable mm -hmm. oh man well, you don't use the global you don't pull it off the global variable you just use event <laughs> oh, yeah. you just use event yeah. dot yeah. you don't have to do window dot this <laughs> no. is javascript yeah. <laughs> it'll do the scope lookup for you yep <laughs> uh, great times uh why, so, did, why yeah. did we keep doing this? Is, why do we keep doing what? Why did we keep doing this? I, like, why didn't we give up? Why didn't we give up? Well, because <laughs> there wasn't really any, uh, any other... Like real programming languages. Well, I mean, there wasn't another programming Not language. in the web. Not, Not in the web. web. Yep. We were stuck. You're stuck with JavaScript. I mean, finally, IE got better. We just we loved the web that much. We do. We love our, our users that much. Yeah. <laughs> we love you people. All of you. Yeah, it, it, man, I just remember fighting memory leaks mm -hmm. in Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. And we don't, I don't think there's too many memory issues that are actually solvable in JavaScript anymore. I even actually, I think one of the last blog posts I did on my own site is how to, how to break event, uh, event handler leaks in Internet Explorer and mm -hmm. why it actually leaks. Mm. Yeah, stop doing event circular references. Stop yeah. using attach event. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you like to talk about? I mean, there was there was a lot packed into that. Yeah, hour. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's kind of appreciation for, you know, what we have now. Because so many times we complain about, oh, we don't have this or we don't <laughs> have that or when is this stage two feature going to make it into yeah. uh, the, the final ECMAScript spec and stuff. And we just got to remember, like, this is where we were before. It's yeah. like there were times where, I mean, what was it? ES5 gave us, or ES3 gave us, like, regular expressions. Like, there was times where we didn't even have, like, the simple stuff. Oh, and <laughs> like you said, with rounded corners, like, now you can just do a border radius, but we had to do all, you know, spend <laughs> five hours trying to cut Photoshop yeah. things. I've made the perfect rounded corner, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden the color changes or the the, the rounded uh, radius changes. You got to do it all over again. Yeah, so yeah. There's so much that we have now that just having that appreciation 
but then on the flip side, not trying to make people who are just coming in have to know all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Let them just use the nice tools now. Like, do they even need to know that? Yeah, right. That there shouldn't be an initiation ritual for someone that wants to write good code. Yeah, Why exactly. Not? I think that'll be fun. <laughs> they have to listen to us talk about how things were in the old days. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's right. Come here, you whippersnapper, yeah. and sit on my sit on my porch while I, I used to regale you tales. <laughs> Walk uphill in snow both ways, mm, right? That's right. In the browser. <laughs> the yeah. four, four Yorkshire men is the best sketch of all time. <laughs> yeah, I wanna I wanna read my list of keywords that I put on my Oh man. There are, there are some Easter eggs on my website, but mm-hmm. this, I use the meta keywords to try to, I, I'm guessing I was keyword spamming. Okay. SEO? Uh, so like, so before like, SEO? Like early yeah, but like, SEO. So this is, this is SEO. So this is, this should give you an idea of what people were using the internet for okay. in uh, 1999 or so. So it says, Neil's homepage, Beanie Babies, fun, free, programs, games, <laughs> chat, Neil's homepage, free, free. <laughs> Neil's homepage, try. Neil's homepage, free Beanie Babies, <laughs> news, weather, software, games, free travel, Beanie Baby, <laughs> princess, music, free, free, princess. free, love, psychic, psychics, programming, beta, <laughs> unreal, half-life, 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 quake, quake 2, quake 2, <laughs> trinity, free, direct download. Wow. <laughs> the last one was what? <laughs> Direct download. Direct download. Wow. <laughs> like with a hyphen. I'm yeah. surprised there's not a real player in there. Yeah. Like, where did I get this list of things from? You must have, someone must have posted it and just copied and pasted it. Yeah, like, it must have been like... That's yeah. Beanie Babies? Beanie Babies, man. Beanie oh. Babies. Oh, they were huge. I know that. Oh. So if, you want, if anybody's out there looking for somebody to be in charge of their SEO, yeah. Neil's I'm your yeah. guy. Neil's the guy. He knows, what, he knows what's up. <laughs> I know what people are looking for. That's right. I have my, He's up on all the trends. I'm a singer on the pulse <laughs> of America. Of America. <laughs> if you're looking for psychic princess, Beanie Babies, for yeah. free. Yeah. For free. <laughs> and Half-Life. And yeah. Half-Life. Come to his tripod. <laughs> Go to his my tripod. tripod. I don't think there's a single Beanie Baby. <laughs> My homepage is a funny, semi-informative site that anyone can enjoy. If you're looking for a good time, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Full of fun and excitement for everyone, boy or girl, to delight in. What? Wow. How old are you at this time? Uh, 16. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm I had a good impressed. English teacher. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. If you're looking for fun and delight. <laughs> yeah, and just looking back at the stuff I did, and I was in high school, like I was like, wow, I can't believe I did all this yeah. stuff. Like, man. It's fun the stuff you find yeah. that like made it through, mm-hmm. like the time. Like, it's like a what do they call the things where you'd bury a oh time yeah. capsule time, time capsule. capsule. It's like there's yeah. things that are like accidental time capsules that we somehow managed to save, like code that we wrote uh-huh. or oh, yeah. or things that we drew or whatever that have made it through. And you look at it and you're like, you pull out an old <laughs> laptop and it's got something on it. Yeah. Like I like my 16 year old self. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sometimes in your head you're like, oh, I was so dumb and whatever when I was 16 yep. and you look back and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't too bad. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. I mean, <laughs> Beanie Babies. Beanie right. Babies. <laughs> I still, I mean, I think I have like 50, $60 of Beanie Babies at home in a box somewhere. Wow. So, Yours? Yeah. Oh. My parents own a bookstore so we got Beanie Babies like before everyone else. Okay. We had a chance to. Okay. Well, you saved them. Saved them. Uh, there was going to be good money in them. Yeah. My, my brother was convinced that there was going to like yeah. He's going to be a millionaire. Oh, they my did bro- get my brother was too. Right? Yeah, he's 30. They'd yeah, but we don't have like the one, the Princess Diana with the upside down printing. Like, we don't have uh, the, okay. the, the ones classics. that people actually pay money for. Yeah. yeah. I think we have a couple that are worth more than normal, but. For like $5 instead of $2. Yeah, yeah, $5 instead <laughs> yeah, of <okay. laughs> uh, oh, There was one thing on my site. I think this was the thing I was most impressed by was that. So I, I wrote the current date on it, yeah. okay? So for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to have the current date. <laughs> I had that. Yeah, I don't know why, but I had the current date. I have it date. twice. <laughs> and it still works. Yeah. Like, JavaScript is backwards compatible. Like, what other language would you see that, yeah. you know, 20 years later, something you wrote would still be able to... Just not 1918? Yeah, so I actually did mine correctly. <laughs> I actually added well. mine, so it said 2018. Yours says... 19. It's the year 19,118. Nice. <laughs> the future. Oh, yeah. Future website. It's the future. Yeah. yeah. This is what web development's going to be like in the future. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so we need, we need, you know, all the, you know, smush gate and everything we're going through. Like, this is why it's important so that 20 <laughs> yeah, years yeah. later, code still works. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Also, I also want to mention that if you are nostalgic for any, like, McDonald's toys that you had when you were little. Oh, wow. You can go on eBay and get them for next to nothing. Really? Yeah. I got uh, 
there was dinosaurs that turned into like they looked like McDonald's, uh, like a Happy Meal uh-huh. and a pancake things uh-huh. like that. Yeah, and then they turned into dinosaurs. Wow. Wow. I got like a full set for five bucks. <laughs> nice. It's great. I, I wonder don't who... even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, who had that? Yeah. They must have just like saved it in a box or something. Like, I don't know. I don't think I kept my Happy Meals toys past well, like, the week. Like my, <laughs> my wife collected Lion King cards. Okay. Like they have the cards? foil packs. Yeah. Oh. Like collector, collector cards. I didn't even know those existed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're learning collectors, so, so it's like it's a Simba card, and you have yeah, all the data on Simba. Uh, and she had like collected a ton of them, like ninety percent of the ninety something percent of the cards, right? Okay. But then she didn't have like the ultra rares, like the foil one and the hologram one and stuff like that. Okay. okay. So I spent like quite a while the watching that... watching the auctions mm-hmm. and like getting the ones that were missing, and I completed her entire collection. Wow. And, like, that was her. Or her anniversary gift or something like that. Nice. One you wrote so. a script to do that, didn't you? No, but I set up like the right searches with alerts and stuff like uh-huh. that. See, eBay, eBay gives you the tools uh-huh. to okay. find hard to find things. Okay. It was great. It was like 30 bucks and I was able to complete this like, I mean, back then it would have been impossible to get oh, all yeah, of them yeah. spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. But now yeah, it's just yeah. like a full thing, like <laughs> five bucks. Yeah. That's hilarious. Nostalgia yeah. costs five bucks on eBay. Yeah. That's right. Or you can go to Ben's website. Yeah. Go, yeah, see go. if your old website's still up. Everyone yeah. should. Everyone no, should. Yeah, you everyone should. should. Put a, your MySpace. You should put a link to the Wayback Machine to your site. Yeah. From the way back, in your slides. Yeah, I should. Well, so the thing is, is that it didn't work. Like, the Wayback Machine kept, for some reason, I had to redirect to something, mm. and the oh. redirect kept going, so I had to, like, pause it and do some mm. magic stuff to get uh. it to display, so wasn't the easiest thing. Otherwise, yeah, I totally would have shared it. But All right. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, GeoCities, man, I don't know. It's a, it's a shame that yeah. Yahoo shut it down. Yeah. And then I ended up switching to something called NetFirms later because okay. I wanted to write some back-in in <laughs> Perl, CGI bin. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, Perl was my first real web language. Yeah. I think that was mine too. Yeah. And then I found my sequel. And so you're saying JavaScript wasn't a real web language? No, <laughs> at the time. Could, I mean, not, not a backend language. Yeah. You could do. Not. You could do like I did. I first used JavaScript to do a kind of an image rotation thing. Uh-huh. That was the first real thing I did with it. Okay. But that I know is pretty. It's pretty limited in terms of what you could do back yeah, then. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. Mine was drop down menus. Yeah. So, Basically. Yeah. yeah. Getting into Pro was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. CGI bin. Well, Ben, thanks for sitting down and talking of with course. us. Thank, Thank you for you your talk. And yeah. I'm glad we're all around the same age. Otherwise, this probably wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> or, he would have thought or, you were really weird bringing up Beanie Babies. Yeah. Or one of you would have been like, whoa, you did that? Yeah, you did well, that? Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> you did <laughs> have that? What is that? <laughs> yeah, we need, we need like a, a, an inquisitive teenager here. Like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. It was hilarious. It was, when he showed the frame, the frame set slide... Mm-hmm. It was hilarious because you could hear all these. I could hear all these people around. What's a frame set? <laughs> Mine is 190 comma star. Yep, that's yep. yeah stars. Yeah, I was just like. Was yours in all caps too? No, oh, see, no. I had it all. I I've all never caps. been a big all caps person. That's yeah. how it was in the beginning. Yeah, so I guess my meta, my meta spam is. Yeah. That, your, your meta spam game, I think, makes up for your not all caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, All righty. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Neil Roberts of TalkScript Podcast fame, which is the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, I'm here with another guest. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Michael Chan. I uh, am a speaker here at NEJS this year. Um, Also host of a podcast, uh, the uh, React Podcast. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. So uh, your talk is about, what is it, garbage code? Is it hot garbage? <laughs> yeah. Hot um, garbage. Clean code is dead. Can you tell us, like, what, what about your history, uh, who hurt you so much that, <laughs> that, you, that led you to this talk? Yeah, so the, the, the talk was kind of inspired by um, an experience that I had writing a React app. And we'd been writing React for about three and a half years. And there was this totally new project that a couple of people had been working on. I was coming in afterwards to style it. I was super optimistic about like all the things that we learned about React and composition and like all that. And I was just so devastated to find out that in this code were baked in like all of these like just new ways 
to find the same pain, which is like I was having an impossible time styling this app without having to move things around, breaking tests, and it was just really irritating to me. So that was kind of the um, thing that spurred this talk, the, the, the kind of like core moment in me. I was like, I have to talk to people about this. I have to like try to figure out, for me at least, and like the people that I work with, like how do we, how do we write code in such a way that it stays malleable and still feel good about it? Because I know that a lot of times like we want we feel like adding these extra things on top of it that make it you know, more performant by default or like divide the lines better. Those things make us feel more certain about things that we don't know. So I wanted to be able to figure out how do we keep some of that, but then throw away some of these like hardcore rules. <laughs> Did you have some part, points in your life where you were a real hardcore rule follower? Or have you always been yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church. And so it was like everything is, like, I said this in the talk, like everything is a like either a sin or like at the front steps of a sin. Like everything is something to be feared. And like mm -hmm. it, you have a very thin tightrope to walk on. And kind of as I grew into adulthood and realized like that wasn't the point, we were just like setting these arbitrary rules way out in front of danger. I started to get really sensitive about that in code, like mm -hmm. go, showing up to work to every day and feeling like this is the same thing that I grew up with. Like, and like these people aren't, you know, religious or like, it's not <laughs> like them going to heaven. It's just code. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I think that's the thing that really made me feel particularly sensitive about this because um, at least then it's like, you know, maybe it can be, you know, in church, it's like, at least the intent might be kind of aligned, right? They're like, oh, well, we just want everybody to go to heaven, and that's why we, but, like, it's not the same in code. <laughs> why do you think people have such uh, rigid ideas about, like, right and wrong when it relates to, it's kind of something as creative a lot of the time as code? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I think it's fear a lot of the times. Like, I think that we've been, we've had those pull requests that have gotten denied or nitpicked for things that we maybe intentionally left out. Yeah. You know, we, we wanted to leave it kind of like open-ended. And the more times that those happen, the more it's like, okay, like I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to make sure that I have all of my bases covered. And it's just, it, like it's never exactly right to please everyone. Everyone has their kind of things that they're super passionate about. And that's the value of code review. But at the same time, it's like we have to, we have to learn to be more comfortable with the things that we don't know yet. But doesn't it feel so great to be certain about every single thing? <laughs> it does, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most uh, popular religions are based on this idea of like, oh no, we know for certain that this is, this is absolutely true. I always struggle with that. Like, it's so interesting uh, at these conferences, especially like, uh, you know, with what they put together at NEJS. So much of the conference is like, from year to year, we talk again and again, like, we're, we're about to unlearn everything that we've learned throughout our professional yeah, careers, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you've been doing JavaScript for 20 years, and here we have, in the last three years, a completely different paradigm shift. Like, yes. And yet everyone is still so certain about so many things, and you're like, how, like, how do you rectify these two ideas? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think certainty is, like, how we cope with like uncertainty. Mm. I, I didn't give this example, but um, my my daughter was born three months premature, mm. and this was this was the the clearest that I've ever felt this. But we were in the hospital for like three months, basically, and I remember feeling like my life was so far out of my control. Like, cause you know my daughter's like hooked up to breathing tubes in like a little like incubator thing, yeah. and I'm sitting there, and um, I took that time to learn. Dvorak, the, the, the type keyboard of keyboard layout. layout. Yeah. And it was just so, like, I could not keep myself from doing it. It was a terrible, like, what a stupid idea, right? It was a terrible time to do it, but it was, like, one thing that I felt like, this is something in my life that I can, I can control right yeah. now. I, like, I will do this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's part of it, is, like, we've, we hate uncertainty so much, and the idea that we would put code out into the world that we're uncertain about, and like that our users are going to like, you know, poke at and like reveal all of the things that we didn't know, like it makes us. We want to have some certainty. So like, well, at least you know, at least the test coverage is good. At least yeah. it's formatted well, and you know, if we can follow the rules, then we kind of have some type of like safety blanket. Yeah, if you can say like this isn't my idea, this is someone else's idea. Yes. Like then you. you 
plea to authority, right? Like you can yeah. say this, this is right. Someone, <laughs> yeah. some academic somewhere said that this was right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I know I lose a lot of arguments because I don't, I don't care about that, that stuff that much. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I don't get things through that I want to get through, but I, <laughs> I don't want to code that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, what you were saying is like, it, it, it leads to actual like problems if yes. you're following these so rigidly. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that was the thing. In the example that I gave, the thing that really bums me out, I, like I'm so used to like having, to, as a designer, having to shift code around and I guess like rehydrate something that's been dried out. Mm-hmm. And what was really frustrating me, or what made me realize like how important this is today is, is that in React, it feels like developers and designers are, are more close, working more closely than they ever yeah. have mm-hmm. before. And um, now to the point where it's like I, by moving these, this markup, quotes uh, around <laughs> markup, moving this markup around, I'm breaking the tests that they set in place. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible feeling as a designer. And yeah. like I'm at least like partially technically comp- competent. And um, I know that if that made me feel weird. It was just for another designer they would have found another way that was suboptimal for, for their job. And like that just kind of propagates. And it's like then everybody's unhappy all of the time. And that's no way to have like a healthy code base. So you went over some examples in your talk. Like the one, one component for, for file uh, seems to uh, really get your goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about that, that rule. I, I mentioned in the talk that I... Uh, I have a keyboard shortcut set up for it for like ESLint, like disable, like that one, like yeah. no one component profile, whatever it is. I just I think it's it's terrible because we have a really good module system now in JavaScript, yeah. and not only is it discouraging people from learning it, using it, um, kind of learning how to properly expose code, you know, things that we haven't had. It, things that we haven't had like a first class system for mm-hmm. in JavaScript, yeah. um, instead of like encouraging people to like experiment with that and like learn how to communicate through that, mm-hmm. we're, like we're just discouraging it. We're saying like this is just don't, yeah. right? And um, I just think it's the the wrong boundary because there's so many ways that we can communicate now about the intentionality of code and like the cohesion of like certain components that can all be pretty clearly defined in modules. Yeah. Like it just seems like the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, just opting out yeah. just seems terrible. Yeah, it's like, especially when you're, you just, when you're getting an idea out of your head, just getting it out there seems so much more important than laying it out correctly as you're yes. getting it out of your head, right? Like, yeah. And it, it, it's weird that we have these tools that make it so that we can kind of drive without rails. Like, we, yes. we really can design a component however we want. Yes. All in one monolithic file, and then the, it's so easy to split it up. Yes. It seems weird to, from the very beginning, say, you have to behave like this, and if you don't behave like this, then like, I'm not even going to review your code. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's really irritating because it takes that, it makes you do the, the organizational work yep. up front mm-hmm. and like naming things up front, and that's, that's never good. Like, those, those are pre-optimizations. I, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, the, it's the worst. I, like, I have tried in our office to like pull for just like date or like some type of like totally abstracted like shahs for like uh, exportable com- mm-hmm. uh, modules. So usually like if you if you need the latest modal, it's in X four seven three A. Like that's our abstraction for modals. Yeah, it's really it's it's such a bummer that like the file system is so closely tied to our code because yeah. even if even if you do kind of, I mean the module system makes it, it like we we work a lot in TypeScript, but you know just mm-hmm. ES ES six modules, right? Like. It's so easy to like name and rename things however you want once yes. you're in code. But like once you've settled on this file pattern, like that's pretty locked in code. You yeah. can't you can't like arbitrarily say I'm going to rename this one file. Yes. Cuz when you rename that file, you have to refactor everything else that imports it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little weird and I don't I mean I don't know how to get out of that pattern of just like being yeah. stuck in files. Yeah, and like once you've named it, like I, I learned this lesson in our code from like we had we had built this modal, and like the idea was that it was going to be shared across um, shared across all of our apps. And the thing that I didn't know at the time was that like with adoption, like things get harder and harder to change or modify or rename. It's like they just get calcified. Yeah. And it was like the thing that we wanted was to like use it everywhere, and we thought 
that, that would mean that like we could just update it in one place and like everything else would magically update. Yeah. But that's just not true. Like other code gets built around the existing abstraction, yeah. and if that's not if that's not right, now it's just like well we can never change that. We got to like rewrite. We got to do another thing now. I like there is uh, this is project I'm working on, and there's a component called unidentified attributes. Okay. And it was originally written so that you had these attributes, and they were unidentified, and your job was to go through and give them identities. Oh, okay, gotcha. To, to, like, yeah, yeah. to formalize, it, they were just like acronyms, and you were formalizing what the acronyms stood for. And over time, that's changed to where you're both editing existing ones and identifying other ones, or editing, sure. whatever. So it's become like this, just identify attributes. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. file name is still unidentified <laughs> attributes. <laughs> and it's a, so it's the weirdest thing to be working on this project, and say, like, I'm going to be using the unidentified attributes dialog. Yeah, yeah. To edit identified attributes. And, and, and it, it seems like some of it is a design pattern, right? Where you're saying, like, you have to name things properly. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, how about you name things as generically as possible? Yes, yeah. And then if it causes problems, then we'll come back and, yes. and give things real names. Yeah, and that's what, that's, I mean, that's exactly why I've been pulling for the, like, I just, like, name it with a SHA or yeah. a date or something like that. And, like, we'll just, we'll import it as whatever we think <laughs> it means to us at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's as, as, as we get more efficient IDEs that can pick and choose what file they're coming from, then that becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because it's it's a habit I have where like I try to name things really well. Like when I first create them, and I'm like, oh, that's a maybe that's kind of a stupid habit. <laughs> no, no, no. taxonomy is super fun. It's fun, I'm, but like <laughs> I, I spend I spend too much time like creating some throwaway thing that I'm just yeah. messing with. I'll like I need to create the perfect word for it just because yeah. like that's brain candy, right? Like yeah. it's something yeah, yeah. that that makes me feel good when I come up with a perfect solution. Yes. But it's, pro it's probably not the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that's so much of what the problems that we're talking about here are. Maybe it's not malicious intent or whatever. Maybe it's, oh, totally. Maybe it's people that, like, I mean, programming can be monotonous yes. a lot of the time. Like, even though you're doing a creative, like, I, I don't know, there's so many creative tasks where, that you run into monotony. If you're an artist, you might be creating the most beautiful painting, and it might have, like, all these moving parts, but, like, yeah. painting the water might be Super monotonous. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, those, I, I think those little times where we have, um, we're able to, you know, be opinionated mm -hmm. or something or, um, or name something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like that's where we get ourselves into trouble because it's in the time where we get to organize stuff. Yeah. 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 That gets us out of that monotonous, like just <laughs> writing code. Yeah. No, I, I totally <laughs> agree. That's one thing I, I wish I'd had time to talk about it and, if I if I give this again, I'm definitely going to try to insert it. But this idea of um, which is funny because it's part of the title. But the 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 hot garbage part of the title was supposed to imply like we love rewriting things. Oh yeah, like that's our favorite thing to do. And it feels like a lot of times we're waiting for like we're just looking for opportunities to rewrite stuff. And I have really enjoyed thinking about how to write code in a way that allows me to like just fully discard a piece of code that yeah. I wrote before. Like that is not, the code is not valuable in itself. And if right now, if our needs right now are different enough from our needs, you know, whenever we wrote that piece of code was, we should just rewrite it. Like let's not, like let's not pretend like we can like morph that into a new thing, but just say like, hey, like uh, we're just, we're writing a new un, you know, uh, attributes thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, I guess some of what you kind of touched on is the idea of using smaller bits is more important than, like, a bunch of the other design. Yeah, yeah. Like, I find more and more that I care about the boundaries of code. And, like, you can throw whatever you want, and as long as, like, you have, like, a consistent API, and, like, I can drop that and replace it, like, at a whim when we decide we need something else, like, it can be junk inside. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because like one of the things that we hate doing as programmers is good documentation. Yes. But it seems like good documentation is the very thing that would let us yeah. rewrite things very easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing I, I really enjoyed about using TypeScript, mm. as, you, as you mentioned, is um, I think coming from, you know, I was doing a lot of Ruby development and then um, JavaScript and like in dynamic languages, like so many of our tests are just testing interfaces yeah. in the framework. Is this being called properly? Yeah. Yeah. Is this like, and if it is, like, are the assumptions correct? And it's like, man, 
when you have a you know language like TypeScript or you know any number of, of languages, you just get that stuff. Like you have a whole class of tests that you don't have to write because it's just well, like we expect a string and like this attribute is required, and like you have to give it to us or your code won't work. Yeah. <laughs> and TypeScript's been really cool for that because TypeScript's like incredibly expressive. Like yes. every single new release they come out with lets me cover more things that I was you know sometimes you have to use any. Yeah, yeah, because you totally. can't quite cover it. But like every new release seems to come out, and it lets you like take that take that overhead away, make it so that you formalize your contracts better. Yes, and then that lets you. Yeah, I mean that's what you're saying. Like really being able to strip things out, and that makes me wonder how much of this stuff that it, are these design patterns or just holdovers from protecting us from ourselves. Yeah, in ways that we don't have to do as much anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think. I'm really optimistic about a lot of the new like language design stuff. I think um, like Go and Reason have really popularized um, that like code formatter stuff, you know. And so we're seeing that with Prettier, um, and I think that that's that takes out like a class of of issues that we have. I think also the the popularity of the growing popularity of TypeScript and the fact that we're like starting to write with types and thinking about boundaries and interfaces and contracts, but not in like like a Java way where it's like just oppressive, yeah. but in this like, well, you know, we'll use any until we have a problem. Yeah. I feel like, and I think Java's oppressive type system is because of a, a lack of clarity in their type system. Like, I, think, yeah. I feel like so much of the way that, that they encourage you to write things is because you couldn't type things exactly the way that you want. I've, I mean, we're big fans of TypeScript, and I feel like TypeScript's really getting to the point where you have to come up with a good reason that you didn't write the correct type on your, on yeah. your class. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's what really gets you, who cares about your design patterns if you have a function that takes something and mm -hmm. returns something, mm -hmm. and it's clear what it does? Yes. If you, if you have functions that do that and objects that make sense, then a lot of your other design patterns go away. Yeah, I mean, everything else can be fixed. You know? So it's like, you, you really kind of limit it to like, you know, performance problems. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we'll dive in and, you know, fix the performance problem. As long as the interface stays the same, like none of the code has to change. Well, as long as you don't do performance first, right? <laughs> You're good at this. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm always looking for segues to get to the other talking points. Yeah, you have like a whole list of like all of the things that just really push my buttons. <laughs> the, uh, um, yeah, I think one of the things that really uh, bites us a lot, especially in the React community, I see so many blog posts about like doing things like performance first, and like these ideas, like, well, if you if you do this every time from the get go, then you'll never have a performance yeah. problem. And I think that over like over and over again, like people who are actually into performance, like say like, well, like you're optimizing for one single metric of performance, and one, that's not always true, and then B, like, uh, being able to change things is an important performance metric. Like, how fast can you change the code to get a feature out to your customers or fix a bug? And, um, you know, if that suffers because, you know, instead of writing the thing in one line, you did it in, you know, five lines because it's the more performant way, uh, I'm looking at, like, the, the bound functions in yeah. <laughs> React components. You're using one performance metric and like kind of causing another one to another one to suffer. Yeah, like which performance are you optimizing for? Yeah. Is it is it your is it the speed of the process? Because that's not a huge concern anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I or is it for readability or is it yeah. for like, like you're saying? Is it for ease of patching? Like that's that's really depends on, on what situation that you're in. Yeah. Like I, this one is really funny to me because I get a lot of chance to either. Um, live code with people uh, or like doing interviews, um, seeing how people code and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there are so many times where when I hear people talk about implementing uh, a performance, like saying like, oh, well, I'm going to do this here because then it means that we can like fail really quickly and yeah. we'll speed things up. So many times when I see someone do that, they're in, they introduce a bug when they're doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, that, yes, that's going to make it faster, but like you've missed a branch that we need to do in order to figure out whether this is true or not. Yeah. Like, whether, whether we're actually going to solve this problem or not. Like, you chose to optimize something instead of being correct. <laughs> right, yeah. And like so, many, like so many of our performance 
like uh, tactics or whatever are around like memoization and caching, yeah. right? And those introduce the most bugs. Yeah. Those are the hardest things for humans to actually like well, like create, load into their mind. Yeah, they create a level of indirection. It's really yes. hard to follow. Yeah. It's more brain candy, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write this code this so fast. And like you're missing correctness. You're missing um, making sure that it's isolated into a way that can, yes. be, that can be dropped and replaced. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to get to one of my pet peeves. Last, <laughs> yeah, 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 please. Which is uh, test first. Yeah. Which is like, it's not bad, obviously. Um, having a good set of unit tests is super important. But uh, I still think the ability for you to craft code in your head Mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly valuable. I don't, I don't know if you do it very much, <laughs> but like, oh, I'm always like, I, I'm like in the shower, I'm like eating food, I'm like, how am I gonna solve, like, how am I gonna isolate this into one yeah, how component do you, and then compose it together with the others? How do you code in your sleep if you can't code in your head? Like, there's so many days where I wake up and I'm like, ah, I figured it all out. I finally got it. I have, like, as I've been getting older, I was like, you know what, I want to stare at this screen less. And so, like, I do a lot more, like, I, I write things down more, and I just kind of, like, sit yeah. and think about the problem. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, if you're, if you're a programmer and you haven't had a, uh, a day where you've had a cup of coffee and you, you recline in your chair and you just look at your screen and, <laughs> and, and kind of solve the problem in your head, like, you're missing out. Because that's really, oh, really great. It's such a delight. Yeah, yeah it's just... <laughs> Yeah, the, te the test first up is like you you write some code and you test it and it doesn't work. And so you're like, oh, well, I need to have another branch here. And then you yes. test it again and then it doesn't work. And you're like, oh, well, I need another branch here. And I mean, the other thing there is like you can end up with, uh, I mean, I think this is pretty commonly acknowledged, but you can end up with uh, a test that uh, your code completely works with, but your test is incorrect. Yes. Like you're not, you're not testing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you're testing half of the problem and missing a huge edge case. Well, because you can only test what you know. Yeah. Like, right? you know, divide by zero errors, right? Yeah. Like, divide by zero error, you can end up with tests that work among an infinite number of, <laughs> of things, except for, like, one specific number, yeah. where it's, like, four minus four, and you end up with zero. <laughs> yeah. And you end up with a nice divide by zero error. Yeah. I... I watched a talk recently by Dave Thomas, and he's kind of, of Wendy's. <laughs> no, I think he wrote. Uh, was it the? Uh, he's. I mean, he was part of the team that wrote the uh, Agile Manifesto, okay. and um, oh, what else? Um, Preg the the Journeyman's. Oh yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're um, on the right track. I don't know exactly yeah, yeah. the name of it. Pragmatic bookshelf or something like that. Um, and he was saying that he. He kind of made this confession. He's like, uh, I don't test anymore. He's like, I, like, I was big into like all the XP stuff and whatnot. He's like, but I just don't. He's like, and the reason is, is like, because I use tests to like design my stuff, and like I know generally when I sit down what the design's going to be at this point. And it's true. Like if you, when you fetishize tests, it's like, oh yeah, te like tests are god, and that's not really true i think sometimes you have to get back to like what is the what is the goal and ask yourself repeatedly is this thing still serving the goal which is to like serve customers and make money <laughs> yeah speaking of that that one of the things that we've moved forward to a lot in, in a lot of our testing is code coverage yeah which is just like it's just saying like have you considered every way that your code can branch yes and like that's that's really interesting to me more than writing tests because at least you're hit, you're saying like I'm definitely hitting every, yeah, yeah, every branch of code here. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're testing something different. You're not necess necessarily testing that your inputs and outcomes, out, out, or inputs and outputs are the same. But you're saying like, I want to make sure that you've looked at every one of these code branches here, mm -hmm. and I want to, I want to make sure that you, are aware that, two different things can happen, or if yes. you're missing an, like they'll say like you're missing an else, and so, yeah. so you can go to it and you can say like. No, I wanted to miss that. Yeah, else. yeah. Like, can you tell it? Like, I'm purposely missing that else. Or you might go in and say, like, oh, like a, that's a mistake. I I made it. I, I didn't know. Yeah. So, like, I think that's a really a really neat way to test where, uh, you know, once again, you're getting away from the brain candy stuff where like a machine's just telling you like you need to think more about. Yeah. <laughs> I think the coverage thing. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that. It kind of prioritizes the right thing, mm -hmm. where you're saying like, I want to test at a level that kind of gives me the most coverage, yeah. as opposed to testing every line in mm -hmm. like you know at, at these small units like down at the bottom. Yeah. The bottom. Because it's, it's testing like your if and else, and it's testing. Yeah. Did you try calling it with these 
this set of parameters. And like right. as as TypeScript gets better and better, I can imagine TypeScript even being able to tell, like you gave it a string that was converted to a number here, and then you didn't test yeah. it, uh, that number. You know, this <laughs> one specific situation in which things are a problem, you didn't test for that. And and like, uh, I've done a lot of iOS stuff, yeah. And their static analysis tool is just is ridiculous. <laughs> like the way that it can uh, trace how it got to a specific state, it can say like. I went here because this was a number. I went here because this was a string, and I went here because I had this up, and it even draws like lines in it. So I mean, that, that's one of those things where that's a, a really hopeful future for where we're at with JavaScript. Yeah. yeah. And once again, all, it leads us. Uh, I think where we've gotten to in all these examples is it leads us to where writing code should be more of a creative exercise, and like let's create the tools that can really figure out some of these problems after the yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm super excited to have, uh, you know, Microsoft be such a big part of, like, what's happening mm -hmm. now. Because, you know, they have long had some of the best tools in, uh, you know, analyzing code. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that that's going to just really open up the floodgates for a lot of you know, JavaScript developers. Because I think even, like, VS Code, it uses, if I'm not mistaken, like, the TypeScript... Yep. Engine, mm -hmm. whatever. Even if you're not using TypeScript, server and all yeah. That. And I mean, that's what got me into TypeScript. It was like it was like kind of like surfacing these things, and I was like, oh, I wonder. And like, I think I just changed one file to like a TSX file. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh dang, like this is super cool. I didn't have to. Like, I just got everything for free. I plan to use it on a project where I want. I'm. I would like to do all of my testing in ambient declarations, mm -hmm. or just like I dictate the type in a different file that isn't not going to show up in anywhere. Yeah, on yeah. The server I like that. Being able to do that sort of thing is, is super interesting where, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like solving a problem and then showing your work. Yes. And I think that being able to code like that seems super fulfilling to me as a, as a developer. Yeah, like in math class. Like yeah. you got half, half credit for, for the right answer and half credit for showing the right work. Yeah, and it's like let's say that you, let's say you solve a problem, right? You go through the steps that you've done, and you say, like, well, here's the steps I didn't need to do. Yes. And then you rewrite it, and the thing that you rewrote is a clear start-to-end solution. Yeah. And, like, that seems, that seems to fit programming as a, as a, as a creative endeavor yeah. more than trying to get everything right from the start. Like, who's going to get it right from the start? <laughs> Nobody, Nobody ever gets it right from the start. And the harder we try, the worse it gets. Yeah. Gripping too tight. <laughs> I think we. I think we've come up to a satisfying conclusion. We've solved. <laughs> We're all wrong. Let go. We've, we've solved all of the problems of why we write bad code. I think we have. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. This is great. <laughs>